0: Well, good morning. It's good to see you all with us this morning. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 1, and we will be continuing or finishing chapter 1 that Luke started last week with the genealogy uh, of Christ, and Luke, best sermon I've ever heard on any genealogy, so uh, really... You know, I thought I was giving him the hard one to me, the easy one, but now it's like, what am I supposed to do with that? Ah, I'm picking. Uh, Matthew chapter one, we're finishing that. I do want to remind you uh, that counting today, we only have two more Sundays left in 2022. Uh, next Sunday is Christmas Day, and we are still meeting as a church, and so I do want to encourage you, uh, if you can, by all, all means possible, to be with us next week. We will be partaking in the Lord's Supper together. And so, as JJ prayed and just a moment ago, Christ, He didn't come just to be a baby, He came to save. And so, next week on Christmas Day, we'll obviously remember the incarnation and the word becoming flesh, but we'll, we'll remember what that, as that, when the baby grew up, how He gave the ultimate sacrifice for uh, the sins of humanity. So, I do encourage you to be with us uh, next week. I know that. Uh, We have many family plans on Christmas Day, uh, so we'll be uh, abbreviated, so we're going to respect that, but we are still definitely going to meet. That's the Sunday that we cannot take off, Matthew uh, chapter 1. I'm going to read the text, and uh, I know that some of you are thinking, man, we got all these kids in here, and so I I understand that, so I'm not going to be extremely long today, but we are going to uh, dive into God's Word, Matthew chapter 1. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did what he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but knew her not until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that this morning that we can sit under your word and and just be reminded of, of how you sent your son and what it means you sent your son into this world. God, I do pray today as we look at this familiar story, God, that, and that you'll remove any uh, just apathy towards it or uh, familiarity of it, God, that we will see it alive and anew this morning to, to see the depths in which you took to save us from our sins. God, I pray if there's anyone under the sound of my voice, or they're in this room or joining online, God, that has not believed in Christ, that today you will use this text to draw them to believe in your Son. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And this, what I want to do this morning is I want to kind of attack this story uh, in a couple different ways. First of all, I just want to walk through the narrative, uh, what's going on, uh, talk about Joseph a little bit and kind of some things he was walking through. And then I want to kind of glean from Really, what is the point of, like, what, what, what is the, the take-home from this text? So if you're taking notes, the first thing that we see is that Joseph has a dilemma, right? So uh, we see this in verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. I will, I'm going to remind you of this, is that as, as last week, as, as Luke kind of walked through the genealogy of Christ, it was, he, he talked about how it was, it was full of broken people, Uh, And there was illegitimate pregnancies uh, or could have been through uh, the genealogy of Christ. And so uh, one thing that we need to be reminded of when Matthew's writing this, Matthew is very, how can I say in 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 his approach to writing his gospel account, it's very apologetic. Not in a sense of I'm sorry, but given a defense for the faith. Uh, as he's writing. And so one of the things, if you were to just start today and you read through the book of Matthew, Matthew, more than any other gospel writer, you will read him say, as it was written or as the Lord had said. So what he's doing, and we'll see it in this text this morning, Matthew, over and over again, he goes back to the Old Testament prophecy to prove who Jesus is and that he is the Messiah, the one sent from God. And so whenever Matthew's getting into now the birth of Jesus, what he's doing is he is saying, hey, his birth is legit. Like this is true. And not only that, but God had promised that this, it would be this way. And so he, it's almost a, a defense for the faith. We're reading as just a cool account, but Matthew's intent was, hey, Jesus is who he says he is. Uh, and so when he's writing, he's telling us so that we can go even back to the birth of Jesus, that it wasn't some kind of sketchy situation, but it actually is what it says it is. Uh, so anyway, let's continue. It says, so Joseph's dilemma. So it says, uh, when, his mother, when Jesus' mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, let me tell you a little bit how the jewish custom their their engagements were a little bit different than ours. Most of their um, marriages were were already decided by their mother and father right and so usually the the female was super young and the i mean early teenagers and then the male would have been a little bit older and so their their marriage would if you will was really a twofold first of all there was the, they were betrothed they were they were um, they met one another or something, and they didn 't live together yet, but it was kind of like uh, for about a year long they were engaged, if you will, and this is whenever they were kind of working out all the details. The fathers would work out details of of how these things were going to work, and actually you should study it like literally the um, uh, the, the groom or the husband's father would actually pay the bride's father just in case something happened to him. And, and so there was just crazy. It's all these things be lined out during that year. But here's the thing. It was legally sealed. And so for that year, even though they were not husband and wife yet, they still would be referred to as husband and wife. They weren't living together. And it, was only, it could only be broken through divorce. Right, and so that's the situation that he finds himself in. So, even though they weren't actually husband and wife legally, they were bound together, and the only way for them to, for that, that to be nullified is through divorce. And so, the dilemma is that before, while they were being, being betrothed, before uh, they had consummated that marriage, before they had actually had sex with one another, before they came together, Matthew says is that she was found to be with child. And so, obviously, we know the story that. Because we're 2,000 years removed. But this morning, just for a moment, like, let's kind of go through Joseph's mind. JJ was talking this morning in the years. She's like, I feel like uh, everybody's talking about Joseph this year. Like, this is the year of Joseph. We always talk about Jesus, obviously, and we always talk about Mary. But how many times do we actually think about Joseph and what kind of what he was going through? So first of all, what we see is the dude's got a dilemma. This lady because he hasn't been met, he hasn't been visited by the angel yet. All he knows is that this lady he's betrothed to, that's going to become his wife, is now pregnant. So he's got a dilemma. Like what, what's going on here? Because evidently, it's really threefold. Really, it's she's obviously had sex with somebody. She's telling me this telling this far fetched story that who's going to believe that? And what do I do with her? Right, so there's a the dilemma that Joseph has that we see that before they. And that's the estrangement. So we see the engagement to Mary, but then there's an estrangement. They were estranged from Mary because she's with child, yet they had never been together. But then we see his decision. We see that in verse 19 whenever it says, and her husband, Joseph. See, there it is. They aren't officially husband and wife, but they're already referring to each other husband and wife. That's in that that betrothed period, that year-long-ish moment. So her husband, Joseph, First of all, that we see about Joseph is that he was a just man. This word just man is ultimately he wanted to do the right thing. And so it, many times when we look at Joseph in this story, that we oh, he's trying to get rid of her. The reason Joseph's motive of not wanting to marry her had less to do with like she's done something wrong, but he wanted to be obedient to God. Because ultimately, because they were legally bound at that moment, if he were to marry her, obviously, remember, he doesn't know about the Holy Spirit yet. If he were to marry her, he would have been entering into a relationship with somebody who had been living sexual morality, And so he was a just man and being as in, I want to do things the right way. I don't want to enter into this marriage knowing that this could have been what was going on. And so that's kind of the context of him being a just man. Ultimately, he wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to honor God with his life. He wasn't just this legalistic bigot. He wanted to honor God by the way that he lived his life and the decisions that he made, especially with the person that he was going to marry. So we see his character. He's a just man. We also see that he's compassionate. So her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, the Jewish law actually gave the penalty of somebody during this period who had committed adultery, if you will, that the lady could be stoned. Like it could be that extreme. And so Joseph, being a just man, wanted to obey God and live to the letter of the law, if you will, was also a compassionate man. So he sees Mary's condition and he decides in his own heart, all right, I'm going to divorce her, but I'm going to divorce her quietly. So we see his character, we see his compassion. And I really thought this week, and I didn't put it on the screen, but I thought Joseph exemplifies to us as followers of Jesus how we can love the law of God and love God, but not be jerks, not be bigots, not be (laughs) self-righteous, holier-than-thous. We see this dude actually, with everything within him, wants to obey God to the fullest extent to honor God, but he was kind, he was gracious, it's ultimately, I'm going to get this in a second, get ahead of myself. Think about, we think about Mary, obviously, of all the people that God could have chosen to birth the Son of God. Think about all the people that God could have chose to be the father figure in the home of the Son of God, right? And we understand that, that Jesus, John tells us that he came with truth and grace, and what we see is even in his earthly home, his earthly father uh, figure was actually a model of truth and grace, even the way that he treated his mom, uh, that he was a man of truth, but a man of, of grace. Anyway, that's a side note that has, anyway. So we see his dilemma. We see his decision, uh, his going to resolve this. But then he has a dream. We see that in verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of God, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and he shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all took, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord said. So there's Matthew's little thing. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said, had commanded, or spoken by the prophets Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall her name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So, Joseph is contemplating. And thankfully, I think this is during the time that Mary is with Elizabeth. So it's about a three months' time here, uh, right? So she's been gone for about three months. And so Joseph, thankfully, by sharing with Luke this week, thankfully, by God's sovereignty, like, Mary wasn't with Joseph whenever, like, it was like he could have reacted in a way like many of us would in a moment, but by God's sovereignty, there was maybe a couple months there that Joseph didn't necessarily have to see Mary. And as he was contemplating these things, is whenever the angel met with, appeared to him in a dream and said, Hey, listen to me. First of all, he's the son of David. That's important that Matthew puts in that. Why? to to remind the the Davidic kingship that that no uh, Joseph wouldn't be the actual father of Jesus, but Joseph would be the one who named Jesus, right? And and it actually says in the text, and he named him Jesus, which means that that ultimately that Jesus was was his adopted, if you will, like it carried his name. He would continue in that line of David. So that's important for us to see. And he says, she will bear a son, we we'll name him Jesus. His name Jesus there uh, is the New Testament formula, like Yeshua, which means the, Lord's, the Lord saves, or uh, Yahweh saves, Lord of salvation. Tells that he shall bear a son. You name him Jesus, and it's to fulfill a prophecy from Isaiah, where we see that from. Uh, and it's pretty cool here that God was using his own word to assure Joseph of what was going on. I thought that was pretty cool. So all that sounds good, but Joseph now has some contemplation, right? So he, lo- he wants to honor God. He has this dream, and now he has to contemplate. All right, this is what the angel, and for many of us, probably would have said, Hold on a moment. This lady I'm betrothed to, she's now pregnant. I'm dreaming about an angel who's telling me that like, his name's going to be Jesus. He's going to save people from their sins. He's the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy about Emmanuel being born of a virgin. So that means I'm, I still got to marry her because that's what the angel tells me to do. So could you imagine the, the craziness of going on in Joseph's mind? Not only that, it's like, if he's actually God with us, then that means I'm going to have to, like, I'm going to have to try to discipline him. <laughs> right? Like, every, like, all the contemplation that, that Joseph was going through at this moment, like, I think that Luke and I were talking this week, could you imagine growing up in their home? Because after this, they, they, they had, Joseph and Mary had kids together, and they were sinful. But Jesus wasn't. Can you imagine all the times that the other brothers and sisters say, Dad, you never get on to Jesus. <laughs> like, like, just think about all these things that are going on in Joseph's mind in real time. He's having to contemplate. The angel says this. It looks like this. Nobody's going to believe this far-fetched story. So he contemplates I'm thankful that Joseph was obedient. We see in verse 24, it says, so when he woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. He took his wife, and he said, but he knew her not. He said, look at that. that that's a beautiful picture there. It's because he got the picture that, that this, this son that was going to be born was from God. And Joseph, Joseph never consummated that marriage until after Jesus got here. And so Joseph was obedient. He took marriage to his wife, and then he named him Jesus. So that's the narrative of the text, but what's the point of the text? Any opportunity that I have, the opportunity to kind of stop and slow down for a moment to kind of help us being able to, to read the word, I want to do that. So one of the ways that we find the themes of text is one of the ways is what's repeated. Like is, what is something that the writer is writing that kind of may not be the same word, but it's the same thought process. And so what, there are really two things that I think is the main theme of this text. And the first one is that Matthew wants us to see that this is a miraculous conception. And that's one of the most important things. Matter of fact, let's read it again. I know I've already read it a few times, but as I'm reading, kind of mark, like, or if you're rocking your Bible or making the mental note of how this is repeated. Look, he says, first of all, in verse 18, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before before they came together. So that's already stated, right? Verse 19, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her uh, quietly. And then what, in verse 20, the angel appears and says what? Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is what? From the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son, call him, call him Jesus. Uh, he'll save people from the sins, he'll be God with us. And in verse 25, what does it say? Even up until the Jesus was born, he what? He knew her not. So over and over again, this idea that Joseph and Mary had not slept together is all through the text. Why? Because Matthew wants us to see this is a miraculous conception here. This this uh, This is God becoming man. And listen to me, it's crazy staggering the percentage of evangelicals who do not believe in the virgin birth. Or that it's even important to do so. And I would submit that this is one of the most essential doctrines that you and I can believe in, that it was an immaculate conception. It was a miraculous conception. Because if not, listen to me, the first thing at face value, if, if Jesus wasn't virgin born, then it destroys the authority of Scripture. If we shouldn't believe that, then why should we believe any of it? Like, if one thing isn't true, isn't right, then it's not substantial enough for me to build my life upon. I can't trust it. But more than that, this idea that we have to understand this miraculous conception is that it it, it brings about the idea of Jesus being fully God and fully man. I say, Justin, I know this is 101, but I mean, even reminded that. This Jesus, this Christmas that we're celebrating now is whenever God took on flesh, that, that he became man, and that, he had, that God, through the Holy Spirit, caused Mary to conceive. And what it does, remember, this is the beginning. We try to go context here. This is the beginning of Matthew's gospel account. Right? Everybody with me? That's how we started. Like, this is the very beginning, and what's he doing? He is defending the faith. So in Matthew taking in so much attempt to make us see that this is a miraculous conception that God calls Mary to conceive is that it sets up the rest of the book, specifically the work of this son that would be born and the worship of this son that would be born. Everybody with me? The reason why he's so intentional in writing this and we see it so much is that, man, the work of Jesus depends upon him being 100% God and 100% man. Because if... If he had an earthly father, then who, how could he save sinful people? But well, what he is, he is the fulfillment of the first gospel proclamation back in Genesis, whenever God tells a serpent that he will send another that will be born of, listen, to this, of the seed of woman. Women don't have seed. But even back in Genesis, what he's saying is, listen, there'll be born born of woman who will come. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And here we see it lived out in Matthew chapter 1, that it sets up the work that Christ would perform, ultimately at the cross, but also the worship of this son. So that's the first thing that we see in this text. The second thing, y'all better believe it, I'm almost already wrapped up. The second thing that we see in this text, I think we have to see that Matthew wants us to see about the, the miraculous conception, the God man. The second thing is really two questions. Well, who is this child and why has he come? All right, what's the big deal? Why this, this conception from the Holy Spirit? Why? Why is, that, why is that such a big deal? And I think we're answered, the, the questions get answered, and whom the angel says a to call name him but also what people would call him so first of all who is this child who is this one that's going to be born of mary who is this one that 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 joseph is going to have to be the protector of his mother the shield for his mother but also the example of this boy for this boy who's going to be born who is he first of all go to verse 23 it says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And check this out. It says, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Notice the angel doesn't tell Joseph that he should name him Emmanuel. It says, they, it's a general term, they will call him Emmanuel. So who is this child? Like I said, this is less of a name and more of a role or a work that he's going to do. Ultimately, this child is the one who will bring God's presence to broken and sinful people. The one that's being born, this miraculous conception, this is the one who's actually going to bring God's presence to sinful people. It says, and they will refer to him as Emmanuel, as God with us. As and they will worship him as God. Here's what's really crazy. If you, if you will, if, if you have your Bible open, it's not coming up on the screen. But last week when Luke was going through the genealogy, in verse 9, there's a dude named Ahaz there. So if you have your Bible, look over there in verse 9. Here's what's crazy. This prophecy that Matthew uses of Isaiah chapter 7 is actually a prophecy that Isaiah had given to King Ahaz. The same Ahaz that's in the genealogy of Jesus. And what was great, Ahaz was a wicked king. He was one of those, matter of fact, through the genealogy of Jesus, there's not many faithful, but Ahaz is definitely an evil man. And what was going on in Isaiah 7 is that Syria and Ephraim were really threatened, breathing down his throat to really uh, come and destroy them, if you will. And uh, Ahaz was freaking out, and he was talking to Isaiah. And Isaiah was like, hey, man, if you'll just ask ask a sign from the Lord that that he's going to deliver you or whatever, this won't be overtaken. And instead of doing, he said, no, I'm not asking a sign from the Lord. You can read this in Isaiah 7. Uh, he actually, they, they said that he actually was trying to team over the Syria. He was rather going to trust the Syria to have his back than the God, <laughs> Yahweh, was a wicked king. Even, even though he wouldn't ask for a sign, God gave him a sign anyway, and that's the sign there. And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call him Emmanuel, that even... And and to Ahaz, even to Ahaz, the evil wicked guy who ended up in the genealogy of Christ, that's where that prophecy comes from. And it was partially fulfilled in Isaiah, but it was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, that he would be born of a virgin. He would uh, be called Emmanuel, God with us. So who is this man? He is God. Who is this baby in a manger? He is God. He's a God man. Well... Why has he come? Why is God going through these great lengths? Well, we get it in verse 21. She shall bear a son, and he shall call his name Jesus, which means for he will save his people from their sins. So is he? He's God. When he comes, people are going to call him Emmanuel means God, he is bringing God's presence. But why did he come? So that he could save people from their sins. And notice this, listen to me. There were a lot of people then that were looking for the Messiah. Here's what's really cool. This is the first time, obviously the book of Matthew, first time sin's mentioned in in the New Testament. And it's all in chapter one. And notice there's a lot of people that day were looking for the Messiah that had nothing to do with their sins. It had to do with their political uh, and where they stood and ultimately they, want, he wanted, they wanted a Messiah to come to overthrow Rome, to put Israel back into the place of, of ruling the world, if you will. Matthew says, listen, you can call him Jesus or the angel tells Joseph, call him Jesus because he's coming to save his people, not from Rome, but for themselves, from the wrath of God. He said, the, the word, like I said, Jesus is Yeshua, which is the same as Joshua. So the name Joshua was familiar to the Israelites because Joshua was the one that delivered them to the promised land. But this Jesus would lead people back into the presence of God. So what's the point? I wrote it up, it's gonna come up on the screen. I think it's the next one. The child, this child, the Christmas is this. This child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he is Emmanuel, Therefore, he will save people from their sins. That's the point of this text. That God went through all of this so that the work that he would perform and the, the worship that would be given to him could be set up through this miraculous conception so that he could come and bring God's presence to a broken world and save people from their sins. That's why we can say, Merry Christmas. We can't say Merry Christmas just because we had enough money to put all the presents around the tree. We can say Merry Christmas because the God of the universe, when he decided to save man, he didn't send his errand boy, he sent his own son. Listen to me, Christian parent. Christmas, and I always say this, why do we have a merry Christmas? It's because Jesus was born. and He came to save us from our sins. And because of him, God's presence, we can know it, we can experience it. So my question to you this morning, have you trusted in this Jesus? John, Ryan, as you come back up, I just want us to think about this for a moment. Have you trusted in Jesus as your salvation? Yesterday morning, I had the honor to to go and be a part of a funeral of a lady I've never met before. As actually Andy Cupid's grandmother passed away uh, last week, and uh, got to go officiate that the funeral, the graveside. And Miss Mandy uh, DeSantis, which is Andy's sister, uh, was sharing before me, and she just was talking about her grandmother and. And she said this, or something like this. And it was a couple of weeks back that her and her grandmother were talking and they talked about salvation. There was assurance that her grandmother was going to heaven. And Mandy said, the greatest Christmas gift that my grandmother ever gave me was the assurance that she knew Jesus. Sitting around that yesterday, I was, man. And I think that's a great thought for us today. So in the hustle and bustle, of finding the last minute gifts that you haven't got wrapped yet or haven't bought yet. Parent, the greatest gift you can leave your kid is that they know that you love Jesus and you have trusted in him. That they don't have to lie at your funeral. So have you trusted in him? Have you placed your faith? This is a simple gospel invitation because most of you that are sitting in here, I know you've heard the gospel at least one time in your life because you've been coming to Point quite a while. Say, Justin, I've never been here. I want to tell you the gospel. This is the good news of the gospel. Say, you and I are born sinful people not anything you did to get it, it was you were born a human. You can thank your parents for it. Your parents because your parents gave birth to you, you became a sinner. All the way back to a guy named Adam. When Adam sinned, our first, the first Adam, when he sinned, when he sinned, the Bible says that that sinful nature is passed down through all Humanity. And God actually placed a curse on him that day. But inside that curse, whenever Adam and Eve sinned, God also gave him a promise. Whenever he was cursing the serpent, he promised him that one day there will be one that's gonna be born and he's gonna crush your head. And then the rest of the Bible is that plan unfolding. It's a great way to see the Bible. It's that plan unfolding. Through the Old Testament, what you see is that sin that started in Genesis just getting worse and worse as time went on. Not the lostness, but the evil of man just got worse. Adam was just as lost as the most evil person today because a single sin. Separates us from God. But you see evilness of man just growing, getting worse and worse. But at the same time, what you see through all the Old Testament is God reminding rather through leaders like Moses, Joshua, or through prophets that 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 God's gonna send somebody who's gonna crush the head. He's gonna crush the head of the enemy. He's gonna save them from their sins. The Messiah, as Luke reminded us last week, when Malachi puts his pen down, for 400-ish years, God didn't speak. Then we turn the page to Matthew, and that silence is shattered by the sound of a baby who the angel told Joseph, name him Jesus. He will save people from their sins. And the same baby grew up with a dad named, or earthly father named Joseph and his mother Mary. Another thing about Joseph, for some reason in all my time, I didn't catch on. Joseph was only there for a little while. Joseph wasn't there when Jesus died on the cross. Joseph had already passed away. That's why when Jesus looks at his mother and his brother says mother your son and son your mother it's because it would have been jesus's job to take care of mary as the oldest child and now that he's dying he's telling his other brother hey take care of your mom so this joseph wouldn't have even been there but this jesus had an earthly father named joseph and mother named Mary. And eventually he went to a cross and he who knew no sin became sin that you and I can become the righteousness of God that ultimately what was promised in the garden of a crushing of a head, this this baby was gonna die on a cross. And when he did so, he crushed the head of the enemy. And the Bible says that he was laid in a tomb. He died. three days later he rose again the Bible says now he's ascended and that the father has given him a name above every name and that same name that, that the angel tells, tells Joseph they name him Jesus he'll save people from their sins what well, we see Peter and the apostles in the book of Acts that there's no other name given among men which man may be saved Jesus is the only name in which God accepts for the salvation of man. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Say, Justin, that sounds like good news. I don't have to, exactly. That's that's why it's good news. That's, That's what gospel means. It's the good news. The only thing I've said about us is that we we inherited sin from Adam and the further we get from Adam, the worse we get. But God's the one who's remained faithful. From the beginning, he sent Jesus, born of a virgin. And now, all we have to do is trust in that name. When we say that, trust in his work, his work on the cross, the empty tomb, So will you do that this morning? Have you trusted in Jesus? I'm gonna pray for us. And as I'm praying, the bands will come up. And if you haven't trusted in Jesus this morning, today, will you trust in him? I'll be standing in the back. Luke will be in the back. Ryan will be back there as well. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God we thank you for your word God we thank you for your gospels God we thank you that in salvation you left nothing to chance that you're sovereignly providentially working to be able to provide salvation for lost men and women God, I pray that today, on the Sunday before Christmas, God, you'll save God in a room this big with this many people. God, I know not everyone in here has trusted in you and for salvation. They may be trusted in something, but they haven't trusted in you. So God, today, will you save them? Will you draw them to yourself? Make it so crystal clear and so heavy God, that they won't leave this place today without trusting in the name of Jesus. God, as Christian parents, may we be reminded of what Christmas is about and why it's actually merry. May we be able to be examples of that to our children and those around. In Christ's name we pray. I'm going to ask you to stand if you need to talk. Luke's actually here. Me and Ryan will be in the back. (laughs)